What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Hey, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come humbly. We come adoring you. We come thanking you, God, for what you have done in Denise's life. God, I pray for uh, just everyone that is here today. Lord, you know um, what people have been through. Um, You have seen the hurt. You have seen the pain. You are the God that continues to pursue and love through the pain. As we look to Jesus, um, you were there with him through it all. You are a good father. We just say happy Father's Day this morning. I pray for those that are are wounded, that are hurting, that feel like orphans, that feel um, just so distant from you, Father, that you would just shatter that and that there would be a revelation of just your goodness and your love. To know that we are fully pleasing to you that we are accepted in you, that we are chosen by you. In your blood, Jesus, it speaks and it points to your affection for us. And so, Father, we come today and we ask that you would just minister to us I pray for faith to be poured out because there's people that have been in Denise's situation where the view of a father has been shattered. And I just pray restoration, God, over their lives. I pray for hope over their lives because you are the God that that you've come to put things back together again so that we walk in wholeness. We walk in wholeness. So God, we just submit ourselves to you this morning. We ask that you would just put your hand upon us and bring healing to our hearts. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, is Denise in here? In the, she was in last service. I don't see her. Anyway, you know what she looks like. There's a a few reasons why we do um, these videos and these testimonies. Number one is we want to let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Look, this is what God does. This is what he can do. It fills you with hope. It points you to the goodness and the heart, the loving heart of the Father. There's no one that is so far gone. There's no one that is so far away that God can't reach down and fix and put back together again. Like Humpty Dumpty's not you. When Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the broken. That word broken is shattered. In the Hebrew, it's like all these pieces that had separated apart. And understand, every single one of your hearts is so precious to Father God. That's why his word declares, guard your heart above all else because it is the wellspring of life. That's why love, 1 Corinthians 13 says, love always protects. God, the Father, wants to protect and guard your heart from being shattered. But you know what? Because of the lack of fathers, our hearts get shattered. Because we've experienced dads that haven't been dads, our hearts get shattered. Dads, your job and my job is to guard and protect our little one's hearts so they don't get shattered. And see, Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Those whose hearts are shattered, he comes and he puts them back together again so that they walk in wholeness. So why the videos? Why the testimonies? To disperse hope and point people to the transformation that happens when you surrender your life to Jesus. The other reason is so that we can be a real family or a family that's real. We do not want a church that fakes it till they makes it. We want a church full of people that understand we are broken and we are undone. And without Jesus, man, we can do nothing. We want to be a place where we can be honest with one another, transparent with one another, vulnerable with one another, and open ourselves up to the pains and the wounds and the struggles and the trials that we have because it is in the confession of where we are that gives... God an opportunity to move on our lives. See, because God opposes the proud, but he gives what to the humble? Proud people act like they got it all together. And let me just tell you, nobody has it all together here, not even me. The pastor. We're all jacked up. Understand that's why Jesus came. He came for the jacked up. He came for the broken. Those who are well, they don't need a physician. They don't need a healer. They don't need Jesus because they think they're all that in a bag of chips. He came for the broken. And so we want to be a place that not only points people to Jesus, who is ultimately our healer, but we also want to be a place where we can be real and honest and transparent and vulnerable about where we are. And there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. This is a safe place here at Bow Down, okay? So, thank you, Denise, wherever you are, for sharing your story. Let me just say this. Happy Father's Day to you dads. Let me just say, Dad, you have a bullseye on your back. huh? I'm not here to make you feel happy. This ain't a warm Father's Day message. I want you to understand why. 
You have a bullseye on you, Dad. Number one, the enemy wants to attack the functional head of the home. Scripture declares every, the head of every woman is what? Man. That's not very popular, by the way, but welcome to bow down. It's what the word says. The head of every woman is man. So when man in that headship role is attacked, the functionality of the family is not going to operate correctly. So Satan hates you, dad. And he is going to attack you, dad, because he wants to mess you up and he wants to mess your family up. So understand, that's one reason why men and fatherhood is attacked. Wives, this is why you're called to honor and respect your husbands and pray for your husbands. 1 Peter 3, it says, don't nag your husbands, but that your husbands may be one without a word when they see your respectful and honoring conduct. 1 Peter chapter 3, go read it in your own time. It's not Mother's Day, it's Father's Day. <laughs> when you speak to your husband like a fool, guess what he's going to be? A fool. But if you speak to him like a king, maybe he'll begin to walk in what you continue, mom, to declare him to be. And God has made him head over the family. So there's an attack pointed at your man. The second reason why men are attacked, fathers are attacked, is because it destroys the concept of how you and I view the father. So many Christians, including myself, cannot walk properly with the Father because our dad shattered that in our lives. For so long, I've walked with an orphan spirit as if I'm an orphan, trying to prove, trying to strive, trying to be something. Because I, my dad was just like, before he died, Denise's dad. Beat my mom, hit my mom, drugs in the house, bad guy. And he died when I was two. Absent. Growing up without a dad, There's this thing within all of us because you receive your identity from your dad where there's lack, where you're affirmed. No, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm pleased with you, not because of what you do, but because of who you are. That's why God the Father, before Jesus raised anybody from the dead, healed, preached a sermon. His father at his baptism said, look at my son. Here is my son. I'm pleased with him because I love him, not because of his performance for the next three years, not because of the great things that he's going to do in the next three years, but because of who he is. I love him. And when we're not secure as men and our fathers, we're not secure in that. We cannot give that love. And so there's an attack. Let me just submit to you that the church is set up to restore that. I'm thankful my mother got saved when I was in third grade. 
And she began taking me to a church as a single mom. And the men in that church began to mentor me. I can tell you about Mr. Reed, who's since gone home to be with the Lord. He fathered me. He fathered me. And the church is set up to be that place where we together say our father. Where we see one another as brothers and sisters. Where we understand that we're family. Now, let me just uh, give you a couple things here, because, again, this is the last part of our and I want you to turn to the book of John. If you have your story, it's going to be a minute before we get there. But, you know, some of you like to be ahead of things. John five is where we're going to start. For the past four weeks, hey, we just decided to do a membership on Sunday morning. Um, and some of you, because many people have asked, hey, how can I become a member? How? And we usually have a class. And so we just did the class kind of on Sunday mornings for the last four weeks. Those are all online if you've missed them. Um, this week, we are uh, finishing up that. And one of the things that's, yeah, we're going to be missional. Yes, we are an army. Yes, we're going to do ministry. Yes, we're going we're, we're, we're to send people out and proclaim the gospel. We're going to do things and, in the name of Jesus, right? But one of the things that I think if I could do the church plant all over again, and this is our 10th year, um, is I would, I would not do as much mission. And I'm going to explain that to you in a minute. But I, I, I want to tell you about a story that really, really affected my life. And since that story happened, it casts a different kind of vision and mission and understanding in my life so that I've, I've tried to operate differently since. And there was a young man that was driving in a car on 13th and Sapodilla, and as he came to the stoplight, there's two guys in the car, guys came out of the alley and they began to shoot this, the car up. The guy that was driving died right there, he was dead. The other guy that was in my youth group, he went home, and a few, when I heard about it, I went to his house and I began to speak to him in front of his house. And while I was talking to him in front of his house, there was a gang that was posted up on the corner that was behind me. And he was looking at me and I was telling him, Jesus can change your life. You need to surrender. If I know where you live, those guys know where you live and they're going to come and they're going to get you. But Jesus can change this all around. And as I'm trying to talk to him about Jesus, 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 he looks at me. And he looks at the guys on the street, looks at me, looks at the guys on the street, looks at me, looks at the guys and says, Chris, I got to go. Are you going to walk away from my sermon, okay? You know what I'm saying? And he walks and he goes to be with his boys on the, on the street. I got into my car and I just started crying. I was weeping. Because I couldn't understand why people were choosing the street life over Jesus. And I was so busy. 
I was running multiple outreaches. We were preaching the gospel. We had discipleship groups and Bible studies and doing all of this stuff at Urban Youth Impact, right? We were, we were yay, Jesus. We're on the block. We're on your corner. We're doing this here, bringing the gospel, right? And it looked good from the surface. But God began to show me I'm ministering out of an orphan spirit. Some of you are like, what's an orphan spirit? Well, we'll get to that, John 14, 18. We'll see it in a few. So just... And I began to read God's word. As I asked the question, God, why are they choosing street life over you? And God began to show me in Ephesians 1, 5, this word adoption. Adoption. He's adopted me because of the cross. Then I'd go to Galatians chapter 4, and you see, man, we are adopted. We are adopted. Then Romans chapter 8, we are adopted. We are adopted. See, Chris, these guys on the block, right, they're wearing T-shirts with that guy's picture that was just killed, and on the back it says retaliation is a must. So what the gang is saying, if they're going to shoot at you, we will shoot back. We got you. We are going to ride and die for you. Well, what is the church saying, Chris? I see our church and the church shooting one another on Facebook over nonsense. But rarely do I see the church of Jesus Christ saying, I will take a bullet for you. I will die for you. And the boys on the block are doing a better job than the church of Jesus Christ at laying our lives down. Kid comes into church, hey, pick up your pants, get a belt, cut your hair, take the goat out your mouth. This is the house of God. But yet when the boys on the block walk on the block, it's all good, nothing but love. You get judgment when they come into the church. Acceptance on the block. You have to perform and be like and dress like in the church, but acceptance on the block. See, guys, get out of prison. Hey, man, here's some drugs. Here's some weed. We're going to get you back on your feet. When guys get out of prison, where's the church doing that? And so the block is outsiding the church, and it's unacceptable. Welcome to bow down. Because that's not who we are. It's not who we are. And God began to show me that I'm doing all of these things, but nobody's becoming family. Real ministry is helping someone to understand that they are family. I want you to understand what the cross is. The cross is where Jesus died to take away your sin and my sin. He bled for that. He took that, he took that sin upon himself. The purpose, though, wasn't to forgive you for your sins. 
The purpose was to get sin out of the way because he is holy, because he wanted union with you so that you could be in his family. So what is behind the cross is not just to get your sins forgiven so you can go to heaven when you die. The cross is to take away your sin and your rebellion so that you could come into sonship and be part of the family of God. He wants to put his Holy Spirit in you. And unless your sins are taken care of, he can't put his Holy Spirit in you. So it is by grace that you are saved through faith, not of your works, but what he did on that cross. And when you become born again, your sins are gone. They're nailed to that cross and his Holy Spirit now comes inside of you and you abide in him and you are now part of his family. You are adopted in the beloved. And this is a glorious gospel that we believe in, but do we walk in it? And the church has been more concerned about getting more numbers rather than creating more family members. There's a difference. Again, if I was to do all over again, less about getting more numbers, but operating from a place of family, first so that when we do get the numbers and we will get the numbers they don't join as another number they join to the people of God who know how to be a family they know how to be a family they know what family is How are we going to do that? Let me give you some things here of how our church is doing that. Number one, we have an inner healing department called Unmasked. And some of you are like, what, what, what is that? Unmasked is this. It's a place where you can go to, and there's people that will pray for you, and they'll help you walk through issues and things that you have in your life. Just like Denise shared her struggles, her trials. There's people that we have in our ministry where, where, where we can go and open up and get prayed for. I've been, I go to inner healing a lot. Why? Because I have a lot of issues. And when I go, I humble myself and I just open up to what's going on in my life. And God begins to do stuff and reveal stuff. And, and I get set free and I get healed and I get, right? And then sometimes I get free. Then I go back into the pig pen of where God brought me out. And I got to go back the next time and say, yeah, I had another bad week. Well, why are you in the pig pen? I don't know. Like a dog returns to its what? Vomit. Ooh, we're prone to do that. That's why we need one another. All we like sheep have gone astray, each one to our own way. But the Lord, the Lord, he goes after that one. He leaves in 99. It's who our God is. And so with our inner healing department, okay? And by the way, hey, Clay Marks, just go ahead and lift your hand. I, I, 
Actually, stand up because nobody can see you, Clay. <laughs> Come on, buddy. Come on, buddy. So I just want to thank you, Clay, because when I planted Bow Down 10 years ago, I didn't believe in inner healing. Can I just say that as a church? I didn't believe in inner healing. And me and my friend, actually, you know him, Stephen Hamilton, we were out sharing the gospel and we came across somebody who was demonized, right? Afflicted by a demon. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what to do. And so we got our butt kicked that day because nobody ever taught me how to deal with demons, right? That was then, it's not now. And I'm talking to Clay and he's like, oh, you have to meet my friend. Inner healing. I met the friend. Hey, this stuff, I never even heard of this. All you're supposed to do is read your Bible and do it, and you're going to be good. Now, is there truth there? Yes, there is. But sometimes we have wounds in us. We have vows in us. We have strongholds in us. We have false beliefs in us. We have rejection and abandonment and trauma and generational curses as well in our lives. And so, man, all of a sudden, I said, you need to come through me if this is real. And guess what? They didn't come through me. God came through me. And God healed me. And so guess what Bow Down has? An inner healing department. Because a lot of our movement is not from the Spirit. It can be from a place that looks real religious, but it's not movement in the Spirit. Again, with Denise's video, we all have things. And inner healing is a place where you can go and you can be made well. The second thing that we have is house churches. House churches. I tell the congregation a lot is it's more important for you to be in a house church than to come on Sunday morning. Why would I say that? Well, when you look at Jesus' ministry... He focused on the 12 through the three years, not the big crowds. The feeding of the 5,000 was a moment. It was an event. But the majority of the time, he was with a group of people, the 12. And so our house churches are a place where you can get in a small group of people and you can love and be loved. Do you know studies show that it takes an average Christian going to an a community of about 12 people, nine months, nine months before they take their masks off and they can be real. So those small groups for eight weeks, they end and people don't even have their masks off. House churches are families where we want to grow together. We have some house churches been going four years, five years where these families and children are growing up together. It's also a place where we do communion. You're like, hey, why don't you ever do communion on Sunday morning? It's not that we can't, but we prefer doing communion in a house church. Why? Here's why. Because if I'm the shepherd of that little house church flock and I do communion there and somebody doesn't take communion, I'm going to be able to... Uh, see that and go talk to them and talk to them about why they're not doing communion. Do you, are, are, are you still holding on to your sins? Well, Jesus isn't. Look at that cross. His blood was shed for you. His body was broken for you. Get off of your body and get on his. Let's take communion, union. 
It's an intimate thing. And do you know in the Bible, whenever communion was taken, it was always over a meal. Because a communion is a covenant. It's a covenant. And so we break bread and we eat and we take communion in our house churches over a meal. We can look in one another's eyes and be one with one another. House churches are not a Bible study, so you will be disappointed if you, well, you may or may not, I don't know. It's a place where we want transparency, vulnerability, accountability, unity, family. That's the purpose of the house churches. And some of you are in a season where you can't do house church. Listen, there's no condemnation. It's okay. It's okay. There's no judgment. All you can do is Sunday morning. Listen, don't feel bad. Just come on Sunday. But I'm just telling you, unless you get in a community where you can know and be known, where you can begin to learn how to love people, giving and receiving of love, you're missing out on what Christ offers to his body. Even this morning, you're seeing the back of somebody's heads. You're not even looking at their face. And you're not created to have a relationship with the back of somebody's head. You're created to be face-to-face. And house churches, they offer that. Okay? We also have Project 516. I don't want to go into that. But that, as well, is moving out of an adoptive family where we tell the young people doing Project 516, we care more about who you are than what you do. God doesn't need another human doing. He's created you to be a human being. So rest in the Father's love. It's not about your performance, about his performance. We care more about who you are than what you do for Jesus. We also have consecration weeks here. Consecration weeks are when we take a week off and we shut everything down at our church. No inner healing, no nothing. And we get together seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and we pray in three-hour shifts. If you've never been to a consecration week, they're unbelievable. We read the Bible for an hour. We worship Jesus through song for an hour, and then we pray for an hour. That's a three-hour shift, and that just doesn't change for 24 24 hours a day, seven days a week, okay? And that is a place where our body comes together and receives from the Holy Spirit because nothing will bring the unity like the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit falls, unity happens, and you don't have to do anything. Case in point, Genesis chapter 11 The dispersion happened where different ethnicities happened throughout the earth. Genesis 11, people, different languages. There was separation, there was division. What Pentecost did was when the Holy Spirit fell, what happened? Everybody understood one another's languages. There was no language. God was saying by the power of his Holy Spirit, he brought unity together. And when we pray with one another, coming under our Father, we're unified. And the Holy Spirit does that. Not a program. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. So, again, for me, I was doing more mission than community. 
And it was coming from a place where I was trying to strive, where I was trying to prove, where I was trying to be successful. But it looked good on the surface. But it was coming from a place of my flesh. Now, were people saved? Yes. Look, if God can speak through a donkey, he can certainly speak through me or you. That the Holy Spirit's working, things are going to happen. But I never knew until I said, God, can please expose in me. Why am I doing what I'm doing? What's going on inside of me? And so I want to give you three things today. The first thing is this, is as a church, we want to look at how Jesus did ministry. Okay? And the first thing, uh, Will, if you could throw that up for me, please. Jesus was community missional in his identity. Now, some of you are like, community missional, what is that? Well, if you're in the church world, what's kind of trending right now is missional communities. Missional communities. And uh, let me just say, I think that Bow Down's done a good job of being a missional community for the last 10. We've done some amazing things in the community. But where we've got it wrong, and again, I'm going to take ownership for this. It's my fault. I want that flipped around where we are community missional. And there is a difference. Understand when Jesus came to earth, where did he come from? Where did he come from? He came from the Trinity. He came from a family. He went on mission, convinced of his father's love, convinced that the father was with him. Let's go through John chapter 5. We're finally there. Verse 19. So if we're going to be a church and, and Jesus is our head, we need to be a community, a community first, and then the mission comes out of the community because there's a convincing of love. John 5, 19, it says, Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, only what he sees the father doing, for whatever the father does, the son does likewise, for the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. I want you to turn to John 8, 15, please. So you see here in John 5, the father is with the son. And there's a revelation of what the son is doing. Look, there's times where I'm praying for somebody and they don't get healed. That means not that you need another healing seminar, not that you need the anointing. It means this, that the father ain't healing. And if he ain't healing, then you ain't healing. No offense, oh prophet, healer, gifted person. If dad ain't doing it, it ain't getting done. So my responsibility in bringing healing into somebody's life is my connectivity to my dad. Dad, what are you saying and what are you doing? John eight fifteen. And let me, let me just say this. When you look at the guy who was cut through the roof, right, what did they want? They wanted his body healed because he was paralyzed. What did Jesus say first? Your sins are forgiven. That was a bigger issue than the physical. And the spiritual sometimes needs to come before the physical because the spiritual might be what's causing the physical. 
That is why it warns us, don't take communion wrong. Some people have gotten sick and even died. They might be sick because of spiritual reason. So we better be people that discern what the Father is doing before we do it. Because Jesus never got ahead of his Father. I love the church, but sometimes the church says, hey, I met so-and-so, we really dig each other, will you bless my relationship? Well, no, number one, I haven't prayed about it. I got some questions. If I'm going to be a good dad, somebody rolls up. If, if my daughter brings a dude home, dad, I'm going to marry this guy. Will you bless it? I would be a bad dad if I just said, okay, yeah. Nah, pray for homie. I don't know who he is, but he's getting grilled. He's going to have to do 5, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. Okay. John 8, 19. John 8, 19, or 15, excuse me. John 8, 15. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Some of you Christians need to drive that down, please. Even if I do judge, my judgment is true. It's not I alone who judges, but I and the Father who sent me. So he's, again, judging with his dad. So, dad, what do you think about it? Listen, we can look at people and look at their lives and have thoughts, but you better stop right there, and you need to back your, 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 your train up and say, okay, dad, this is what I see, but what do you see? And then dad will say, oh, I see that too, but you know what? That ain't your responsibility. Get on your knees. Or dad may say, yeah, I see that too. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to bless. I want you to go get close to that porcupine. And, 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 and you're going to get stuck, but this is what I want you to do. John 8, 19. See, Jesus was, he was in his, the identity, identity, identity that his father loved him. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Jesus was saying, I'm so aligned in my father's identity that what I, what, what, what I do, it's what the father would do. And if you knew my father, you would recognize that. Real recognize, real. John 8, 28, please. John 8, 28. Jesus said to him, to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, you will know that I am He, that I do nothing on my own authority, but I speak just as the Father taught me, and He who sent me is with me. You might want to highlight that because, again, Jesus was walking convinced that His Father was with Him. He's not left me alone, for I always do the things that please Him. John 16, 32, please. John 16, 32. Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. So his homeboys were going to leave him at the cross. Yet I'm not alone, for the Father is what? With me. See, this is what, this is what gives Jesus confidence 
when it's time to walk on water and step out of the boat, right? There's a confidence, a security in the Father's love that we, if we're really, really convinced, fear has no place because my dad is with me and he's leading me. So I'm just going consumed and just filled up with the Father's love. And when that happens, fear has no place in your life. When you're fully convinced of the Father's love and how much he loves you and his pleasure is all in you. I love the book of Song of Songs. In the beginning, the bride, she's like, don't look at me. Don't gaze upon me. I've got too many issues, right? My brothers were mean to me. But in chapter 8, she says this, I was one who finds peace in his eyes. In chapter 1, don't look at me. In chapter 8, the transformation happens so that she finds peace in his eyes. And let me just tell you something. Early on in my ministry, I was busy, 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 busy. And I didn't want to stop and rest and sit and listen because I didn't want the gaze of the Father to look at me because I knew my issues and I really thought I wasn't going to perform right and he would reject me. So I stayed busy preaching the gospel. And I couldn't sit and receive the Father's love. I was living out of an orphan spirit. I don't know about you, but I'm done with that. Uh, help me not to be a doggy dog and go back to the vomit. <laughs> Save me from myself. I'm not an orphan anymore. Let's go ahead. The second thing is this. When we look at Jesus's movement, what did Jesus create? In three years, he created a community that he told, don't go missional until Acts 1.8. I'm training you for three years, the best training of all time. He's with those guys 24-7 for three years straight, and then he gets to the end and says, don't go, wait for the Holy Spirit, you're going to jack it up. He was teaching them how to receive love in those three years. Oh, forgive us, God, for your church that can't, people can't stay in a church for three years. We don't know how to love one another despite one another. We're like the kids at the playground who take their ball and they go home. Because we don't get our way. Or because this person doesn't perform this way. Now, listen, I stand up here today knowing the reality is, if I, if I go for like six sermons and they're horrible, our church will shrink. It's just the reality. Some of you are like, Chris, we, we, we're here with you. We've for the last six weeks, it's been horrible. We're still here. <laughs> hey, thank you. But we live like Janet Jackson. What have you done for me lately? It's not what you can do for... <laughs> anyway. Jesus formed a community with the 12. And they were convinced. I want you to look at John 13, please. What did he say about us? This is what he's calling us to. The last night where he was with his disciples, John 13 
through 17. That's one night. One night before the cross. And he's just downloading the important stuff to them. Look at what he says. He doesn't say this to the crowds. He says that to his disciples. He says, 35, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. This is the new commandment. Man, do we really, really love one another? Like Jesus loved the 12? Man, they were arguing about who's first. They were, they were, they were sending away the children. He's like, look, don't do that. Like, they were prideful, they were arrogant, they were arguing, they were always, they were doubting him, but he stayed with them for three years, and then when they left him at the cross and they ran away, he still embraced the cross for them. When Judas was filled by Satan, John 13, Jesus still washed his feet. Who, who's going to wash the feet of somebody who has a Jezebel spirit here? Or are you leaving? cannot have love without commitment. Unfortunately, the church has failed in her movement. And again, we have as well. It is easier to start great ministries than to love the church of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. It's easier to start great ministries than to love a group of 12 people who are just like you. And me. Because that's hard. It's easy to stay on the surface and be an attender on Sunday morning and don't really get to know people. But when, when you get to know people, boy, do they let you down. Boy, do they not treat you right. Oh, they should know better, right? And we can keep going. And so, you know what? I'm kind of going to back off of this thing. John 14, 23, Jesus wants to make our home with us. He wants to make our home with us. John 15, 15, he's our friends. He's our, he, he is friends with us. He was calling his 12 into a community of love, a community of love where we become friends, like real friends. third thing that that Jesus modeled to us and I want you to turn to John 17 because this is his prayer right this is his prayer this is what he's praying with his 12 before he goes to the cross he's he was community missional not only in his identity and his movement but also in how he prayed look at this 1720 I do not ask for these only but only but also for those who believe in me through their word that's us guys that they may all be one just as you father are in me and I in you. See that identity Jesus had? That they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. This is the second time Jesus is talking about really our real witness is by how we love one another. The glory that you've given me, verse 22, I've given to them that they may become one as we are one. I in them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and highlight this, love them as even as you loved me. The same way God the Father looked at Jesus is the same way he looks at you. 
because he sees you through the lens of the cross. You don't have to perform anymore. You don't have to live like an orphan anymore. You don't have to prove. You don't have to strive. You don't have to be successful. Because in the kingdom, it's blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that recognize they're not successful at all. And they can't do life without God. And they fall broken and in need of Jesus to come. And that's what this family is. This is what we want to be as a church. And again, as a, as a young pastor trying to prove, trying to be successful, trying to, I put mission over community, and that was wrong. And I ask this church to please forgive me. We're shifting here at Bow Down. We want to do community, and it's from that place of community where we can go out into the world and proclaim a message calling people into the family of God because we are experiencing what it's like to live in the family of God. You ever seen kids on the playground with no parental supervision? What happens? Selfishness, arguing, hitting, biting, Whining, pouting, complaining, it's not fair. Let me just say, Church of Jesus Christ, it's like we're on the playground without a dad sometimes. We can't do that anymore. We can't do that anymore. I I, I was watching, um, Katie, I need that video. Uh, By the way, Katie, raise your hand. She's, she's in Kibo, yeah. She put it, they are one. But Kibo, it wasn't your video that your wife put out on the playground. She was sharing about how their daughter was hurt by words from a kid. And then she went over to comfort the daughter, but then also to talk to the kids. Church, church, when we pray our Father, our Father, there's not hierarchy in the kingdom of God. We've got to learn how to play nice together. We're not the ones that take our ball and go home because we don't get our way. We're the ones, like, look, if any of you have brothers and you got into a fist fight earlier in the day, right? Dad comes home. He might whoop your behind, which is good and needed. But then dinner time came, and where are the two brothers? They're at the father's table. Why? Because they were under the authority of the father. There's many people who get in fights and leave because they're not under the authority of their father. We don't have the concept of how to be family and committed to one another in love. Now, there are times when you need to leave a church No doubt. But more times than not, we use the excuse, oh, with Apostle Paul and Barnabas, right? Well, listen, read your Bible. John Mark was useful to Paul, and so he wanted Paul at the end. 
And you know what the Apostle Paul wrote later on after that disagreement and split? He wrote this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's kind. Love keeps no records of wrongs. What was he doing to John Mark? Keeping records of wrongs. Love never fails. It always hopes. It always believes the best. Was Paul believing the best in John Mark? No, he was not. He was believing the worst, thinking he's going to leave us too. And because of our immaturity, we split and we point to that text when that's not the whole counsel of Scripture. Paul was wrong. And some of you are upset about that. Paul wasn't Jesus. Jesus was Jesus. Paul needed Jesus. Read your Bibles. And sometimes dad has to whoop too, but anyway, here's what I want to do today, guys. We're going to have our worship team come on up and we're going to have our prayer partners um, come forward, please. As we do every Sunday, we're going to end in worship, but today um, uh, Bill Hobbs is, is here with me. And Bill, if you could come on up, please. And I believe there's just going to be a, a, a special anointing. Now, if there's people that need prayer for, for different things, our, our prayer partners are here for you. But I believe there's going to be a special, I like being taller than you, Bill. It's, uh, it's, it's great. Um, there's a special anointing that Bill and I have because there was many times I wanted to take my ball and leave. Bill's the founder of Urban Youth Impact. I started as a volunteer in 1998, and we've been together ever since. I've never taken my ball and left. We've worked through disagreements. I've had to humble myself. I've been wrong. I've been confronted. Uh, when I didn't believe in myself, Bill was a spiritual dad that believed in me and blessed me. He challenged me. He confronted me. He rebuked me. And I've come to know the Father's love because of my relationship with Bill Hobbs. And so there is a father-son anointing that some of you are not walking in right now. And we just want to simply pray hands for you. And it might be that an orphan spirit is broken off of your life. I don't know. Maybe there's a wound that needs to be healed. But God is calling you into a deeper place. And God has given us a gift in our relationship. And this is the relationship you are called to, first and foremost, with Father God but also with one another as we submit to one another in love and walk together so that they know we're his disciples by the way we love one another. So, Father, thank you for this time. Be glorified in this place. I pray for those that are operating in just a woundedness and hurt. Jesus, just, just, just bring revelation that it's not their fault, that you're not mad that you are so tender and gracious and compassionate as a father loves his children so you love us you don't treat us as our sins deserve but you're gentle and low and so God I pray that you would just draw people forward just to receive prayer 
courage to walk in the greater conviction of the Father's love, that there would be a convincing They belong to your family. So come and do it, Jesus. Pour your spirit out in this church, God. May we be a community first and our mission. May it flow out of the fact we belong to one another. We love you, Jesus. Have your way. In Christ's name. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.